HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. Learn about the wonderfully tart Montmorency cherry at choosecherries.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're turning our attention to how the global pandemic is impacting our mental health and how food brings us comfort during these times. I've never understood why people have said I'm brave for solo dining. Food can kind of be a source of solace or it can be a source of excitement or like an activity to, to keep you busy. When there's a crisis, typically the restaurant industry is one of the industries that springs into action in terms of being like, well, come in, we'll take care of you. Tune in to Meet and 3 to learn more about the psychological effects of COVID-19. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> I don't remember what. It's been a long time. It's just a podcast. Hi, Nicole. Hello, Zara. Hi. Uh, I miss you already because we've been spending quite a lot of time together over the past couple weeks, more than usual. Yeah, like almost every day. Almost every day, and now I'm having a bit of a withdrawal. <laughs> well, I'm only three states away. Okay, great. Well, that's why I plucked out some of your hairs before you left, and I'm growing. <laughs> I'm Nicole. <laughs> like when you regrow celery or whatever? Yeah, like when you regrow scallions. You just put yeah. the roots. Yeah, you're growing in kind of weird, I have mm. to admit. Like the feet are growing at the same time as the neck, but nothing else. So it is a little bit strange. Yeah. Sounds very like a racer head. Mm. Yes, it's very weird. So how's <laughs> You went to Indiana. What's up out there? How's it going? Um, well, I just got here yesterday night, so... So far, nothing has happened, um, okay. except for that my cousin's 10-year-old said that I looked older than Rick Astley. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> That's very, very obscure and funny. Yes. Well, he's like having a resurgence on the internet right now, so really? we're discussing him. She knows what Rick Rolling is, because 10-year-olds just know everything about the internet. Um, What's Rick Rolling? You don't know about this? No. Oh my god. I'm not 10. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's not, it's for people our age. It's like from oh. the early 2000s. Oh um, no, basically, I don't know. Rick Astley had a one hit wonder song. He's like a British redhead nerd kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and do you know what Rick Rolling is, Amanda? Amanda? Yes, I do. You, yes. She knows what it is. Okay. Will you, will you explain it? Because I feel like I'm not going to do a good job and you have more youth on your side. You might be better at explaining it. Um... I mean, it, I feel like it's more of like a trolling tactic. Is, mm-hmm, it, is, it, is mm-hmm. it not? I don't mm-hmm. know. I feel like uh, I'm yeah. not. I'll look it up right now, God what, damn it. I'm, yeah, I'm just, what's the name of the song? Up. His hit song is called um, Never, Never Gonna Give You Up. Yeah, Never Gonna Give You Up. If you know the song, then you're halfway there. So basically, Rick Rolling started whenever, I don't know, I think it's the early 2000s, um, as a way of just like trolling people, and you would just play. That a clip of the like the chorus and it just started oh, being wow. called Rick Rolling. Okay. And then recently Rick was on Reddit and they Rick rolled him, which caused people to laugh on the internet. 
And then how weird he just did a cover of the Foo Fighters Everlong, which was also on the internet. And I was sharing that with my cousin's daughter. Wow. Also my cousin. (laughs) What the hell is happening? All right. So so she was like, this guy, this does not look older than you. He looks young. And I was like, you think I look older than Rick Astley? That's rude. How old is he? Her mother wisely told her to not answer that question. (laughs) How, How old is Rick Astley? I'm assuming he's in his 50s. Also, what an unfortunate last name, Astley. He probably got teased a lot in school. I mean, yeah. If you watch his video, which I just did, he's the dorkiest. He's wearing, like, a raincoat and... Yeah, I'm looking at pictures right now. Okay, so Rick Rolling, according to Wikipedia... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Rick Roll redirects here. It is not to be confused with Richard Roll, which I'm now very intrigued by. Rick Rolling, alternatively Rick Roll... Rick Rolling, alternatively called Rick Dash Rolling, is a prank, an internet meme involving an <laughs> unexpected appearance of the music video for the 1987 Rick Astley song, Never Gonna Give You Up. The meme <laughs> yeah. is a type of bait and switch using a disguised hyperlink that leads to the music video. Right. The victim, the victim, <laughs> the <laughs> victim, believing that they are accessing some unrelated material. Uh, are said to have been rickrolled. The meme has also extended to using the song's lyrics in unexpected places. The meme grew out from a familiar bait-and-switch trick called duck rolling, which was ah. popular on the 4chan website. Is, is 4chan something bad? Yeah. Okay. It's something terrible, just right? Chime in? Yes, just please. Chime in real- so 4chan isn't necessarily a bad thing, but okay. I think throughout the past few years it's like it's like i want to say it was like the reddit before reddit came about but there was some dark web stuff that came out of 4chan yeah okay so right 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 okay okay but it's not it's no longer around right 4chan as the old entity doesn't exist well let's see now good thing i have wikipedia i'm gonna look this shit up so the guy who started 4chan like got in trouble right no it's still up we're it's doing still... a memory lane here. What? I don't even... <laughs> um, I know, right? Thanks. I'm really glad. Everyone... Thanks to our one listener. I hope that uh, <laughs> you're still intrigued by our just like musings and wonderings about the internet. <laughs> well, it says that um, the guy who started it in 2009 was voted world's most influential person. Okay, so I'm Time probably Magazine. conflating him with some... 4chan is also associated with some really negative stuff. Um it... It sounds like it. I can't exactly remember what, and we're not going to subject our listeners. Yeah, I would say do some research. I need to do a little research into 4chan myself to refresh my mem. Yeah, same. Although, I want to finish reading this. Uh, okay, yeah, go ahead and read that and take as long as you need, and then <laughs> I'll just you. sit here quietly. <laughs> okay, no, I'm going to read it up. Okay, so uh, the video bait and switch of duck rolling trick grew popular by 4chan for April Fool's Day and spread to internet internet sites later that year the meme gained mainstream attention 2008 through several publicized publicized events particularly when youtube used it on i don't know april fool's day april fool's day uh yeah i remember that initially astley who was only recently returned to performing after a 10-year hiatus was hesitant about using his newfound popularity from the meme to further his career but accepted the fame when he Rick rolled the 2008 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. You don't remember that? No. I don't remember <laughs> every fucking Macy's Parade in history. Well, that's the Macy's Parade year that I moved to New York, so. Oh, that's amazing. Um, but anyway, that's, that's all I'm going to really read. <laughs> yeah, I this. definitely watched that on TV of him performing on the, at the Macy's Parade. <laughs> wow. This is amazing. Who knew Popular that this culture. show... Who knew this show was going to take... This direction, you don't look older than this man, though. You look thank you very young. I know. Yeah, but I think when you're ten, everyone is just like old, you know, like they're lumped together. Agreed. I, you know, that's what I'm praying anyway. It's really weird for me thinking about like when I was younger and I saw like my parent, like when I was ten and I saw my parents, uh, my friends' parents, or my own parents who are like, you know, forty. I was like, those people are grown-ups. I will never be like that. And now that, like, <laughs> I'm almost 40, I'm, you know, my, I'm 36, I, like, don't feel like I, like, internally am mature enough or externally look like these people that seemed like real adults with, like, chest hair and mustaches. 
Not yeah. that I would have chest hair. You know what I mean? But like it just no, like Tom Selleck the thing is, is an is adult. People our parents when they graduated from high school looked 35 already like <laughs> why is what, that i don't know but that's what that's what this late 70s and early 80s was all about <laughs> <laughs> it's true and then they got like a part they got like a house together like all right great i'm 18 let's get out of the house and we'll start having some kids like i don't know yeah. i feel like i'm 25 uh, yeah, like in my but brain. I think that's what no one tells you though is you you will be forty eventually if you're lucky and you don't actually feel forty. Like you could have like all the trappings like a mortgage and stuff, but you still your brain is still like I'm twenty five. Right. Yeah. I was talking. So that. there's not like some magical day that you're like today I'm an adult. Right. I was talking to our friend Mary yesterday about kind of the same thing because she's you know a pretty accomplished artist and she was like trying to sell a big chunk of her collection to a collector and just kind of talking about, she's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, you know, negotiating the price of my work. And I feel like, you know, I have imposter syndrome a little bit. And I was like, I think you're always going to feel like that. Like you never get to the day where you're like, I'm sophisticated and I'm going to, you know, you're just always kind of an imposter until you die. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I mean, that's what, that's where I think the phrase try to have the confidence of a white man comes in. because That is exactly what I said to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, because she was negotiating how much she should charge for it. I was like, you know, you got to think about this and this. And I was like, at the end of the day, just think about how they'd be like, you know, haggling with you about price if you were a fucking cis straight white man and then charge that price. (laughs) Just charge what your money is, like charge your time and your value. Like that's, I don't really know anything about ceramics, honestly. So my advice (laughs) might not be helpful to her, but that's what I would do. (laughs) Oh shit! So what else? What uh, what are you looking forward to most about being in Indiana? Um, just kind of hanging out and like being in the suburbs. To be honest, is to me kind of soothing. Yeah. Um, and where my parents, we have like a little trailer by the lake that we go down to, and we have a pontoon boat. So that's gonna be fun. We're gonna do that this weekend, and nice. then my sister's gonna come down from Chicago, and we're gonna hang out. And her birthday's the first week of July, so. Awesome. So that should be fun and very Midwestern. And I'll be trapped in my parents' house without a car, which will be interesting to see what that will be like. So, well, I mean, maybe I'll have to just do a lot of walking, which you have definitely been preparing yourself for before you left the city. Yeah. I think that the interesting thing is, though, is that suburban life isn't really cut out for walking. So, right. And if I wanted to walk downtown to Indianapolis, it's six miles. That's pretty far. And then <laughs> six you have to, like, miles walk with no sidewalks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's weird. You can't just like walk down the highway. It's also um, forty-five dollars a day to rent a bicycle, which I think is exorbitant. What? Yeah. I had a dream last night, guys. I hope that you're still listening because now <laughs> I'm going to talk about a dream I had, which yeah. I know is everyone's favorite thing. But um, <laughs> I, I had a dream last night that I was riding a bicycle and I really liked it. And for anyone who knows me, I have not ridden a bicycle since I was 16. Um, And if you don't know me, well, now you know. I don't ride a bike. It's ended many a relationship. And, uh, yeah, I don't ride a bike. But I had a dream last night I was, and I think now I'm going to try to start. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed that I didn't bring my bike with me, but it's a pain to travel with a bike. So, yeah, if you don't have, like, a bike rack. Right, right, right. I'm a casual cyclist, so I don't have, like, travel gear for my bike. Yeah, you're not like, I'm ready to bike. I'm biking to Indy. Yo, our friend Ryan Crossman, do you remember this? That, like, four years ago, he tried to bike across America. Yeah, and and he gave up after the third day. (laughs) Yeah, he gave up after, like, a week, and he got, like, a a Vespa. But for some reason, in my mind, I always thought that he bought, because he said a scooter, so uh-huh. I pictured that he had bought like a rascal scooter, you know, like the ones like that like the ones old, where they go to the mountaintop in the commercial. Yeah, exactly. The ones that like old people use that go like you know three miles an hour. And yeah. so I had just pictured him like trying to go cross country on a rascal scooter. I love that commercial for they're like at the top of Mount St Helen or some crazy mountain in their rascals, and I'm like, you cannot get up there in that thing. <laughs> I know it's bumpy. There's a lot of like rugged terrain, but it's it's good marketing. But, like, yeah, I always thought he he did that. Sorry, Ryan, if you're listening, that we're making fun of you for being so weak and giving up on your bike trip across America. <laughs> Listen, I would have given up, too. I never would have even started, and I haven't, so. <laughs> Hell, yeah. No, that's so crazy. Like, 
That's a crazy event. I mean, that's on some Forrest Gump shit right there. Yeah, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single Vespa scooter. <laughs> That's funny. What are you looking forward to eating out there? What are some like Indiana treats? Uh, there's not, I don't really go for the Indiana treats. Um, I just like to, you know, eat my stepmom's cooking. My parents are actually going to be in Florida for part of my time here. So I'm going to be at the house by myself. Oh, wow. Cooking for my stepsister and her one year old. I don't think I'm going to cook for the one year old. That's her mom's job. Uh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to going to a big box grocery store, though. Yeah. That's something that I enjoy quite a bit. What's, and... like, your favorite kind of trashy thing to buy from, like, the grocery store? Uh, I, don't, I mean, I, I pretty much buy that stuff in New York. Like, I like chips and dip. We always have dip, like, pre-made dips, which I think is something mm. I don't buy in New York. There's this dip that's Tex-Mex brand. or It's not Tex-Mex brand, but it's Tex-Mex flavored, and mm. my parents always have it in the fridge, and it's... It's basically like salsa and sour cream mixed together, and it's Yum. really, really good. That's one of my favorite snackaroos. Is like I take it. This is one of my like single eating behaviors, um, which I kind of do with everything, which is like eat right out of the package or like mm-hmm. scrape butter like directly off the brick with whatever a piece of bread and then crumbs are left in it. But one of the things I do is I take a chip, a tortilla chip, and go salsa sour cream but then like all the salsa kind of gets on the sour cream thing and I'm like I'm lucky I live alone this is one of the benefits of dying alone is that I never have to worry about the gunk that's left in the sour cream in my fridge it's always good though it impacts the flavor the next time you get in there that's Um, true hopefully you're not making like a cheesecake though no no (laughs) (laughs) heavens no I would never make a cheesecake um so guys just so you know if you're still with us after the dream sequence and the sour cream stuff um we are not doing a traditional episode. There's no topic this week. And you may have noticed uh, that we did not air any episodes for the past two weeks. Um, as we didn't feel like, I don't know, our voice, our dumbass comedy, <laughs> wannabe <laughs> comedy show was really necessary. Um, yeah. During we also week. just like weren't in the headspace for it either. Yeah. And we needed to process, like everyone, what was happening in the world. Right. There's more important things, um, and there still are. But in the same, in the same breath, we also wanted to like get back to, you know, we love this show and we love being able to talk to you, our one listener, and um, <laughs> you know, so we're trying to find the right balance of um, what to do and with our very small public platform and how to utilize it. Does that sound correct to you, Nicole? Yeah, I think it's just, like, I feel like everyone's doing the same kind of, I don't really, I I almost said soul-searching. It's a very embarrassing thing to say. I think people say yeah. soul-searching when they're, like, caught doing something wrong and they have to apologize right. publicly as a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is, yeah, as major um, celebrities, that's what we're doing. We're doing some soul-searching because we got caught, you know, yeah. doing something horrible. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. I just, you know, there was no question that we weren't going to record for the last weeks because we were out protesting and just with the people, you know, just kind of like experiencing everything as it happened. And um, we were, we just wanted to be thoughtful and conscious about what we were doing with the show and to like acknowledge that and not just like throw out an episode. Not that people are doing that. We're not judging anyone. We don't, you know. Yeah, not at all. Not into that. Um, But yeah, just kind of wanted to make it almost like a conversation with our two listeners. We have two listeners because Paulina... Oh, yes, Paulina. Yeah, and Virginia. And Virginia. Also, what great names for two people to be our listeners. Yes, Um, and I just found out that we have a lovely listener in Las Vegas who reached out to Processing but said that she is a new fan of Life's Banquet. Oh, right, that's right. Hello to her. Hello. Um, And that's it. My mom, as we know, is no longer a listener. She does not listen. She Once Brett and left, she was like, sayonara. Yeah. (laughs) So she's no longer listening, but, um, yeah. So yeah, it's just something we kind of, we're still figuring out what makes sense to do. And, and I think that it's a really great time for everyone to kind of reflect on every aspect of their life and, and see what, see where you end up, I guess. Absolutely. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, 
I wanted to, in the spirit of what you sometimes like to do in moments like these, which is to read some random, I tried to look for weird news. I'm like, I don't know how people find weird news stories. Like they're not, I thought I would Google weird news and then there'd be like, a, you know, I would be submerged in weird news, but I really wasn't. <laughs> you Googled weird news? Yeah, that's right. I Googled uh, weird news and then I Googled weird news this week. And I gotta tell you, there wasn't a lot of weird news. I have, so if you want weird news, you should, there's several websites that do like news aggregation and they pull them into an email and you you get an email every day. Oh, interesting. And it's like, here's the interesting news that we gathered for you to read. Amazing. Well, I just started reading Breitbart. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, my cousin and I were driving back from, my cousin came and picked me up in Indiana. So we spent a lot of time in the car together yesterday, but um she was telling me that she saw on the news that in Chicago there were zoo animals that had escaped during the protests, and it was it was not true. It was like it was a rumor that was going around with like fake photographs from 2013. Oh, really? Um, that showed it looked like a giraffe like crossing the street. Um, but it, <laughs> it was actually not real. I mean, it really happened, but it was like in Africa, like in a safari place or something. Why, what a weird, why would that be like, why would anybody want to put that out there as fake news? Like, look what's happening, the, the that animals are escaping. Fake news is just so, we're surrounded with it, so it's like you can't yeah. believe anything that you see, even on the actual news, news. I know. It's really weird. I was actually reading this morning because I'm having some personal problems, so I was reading about the effects of people lying to you and how like you know not that this is any kind of like shocking revelation but just how like it distorts you know being truthful in general is like the comfort in having a shared reality even if that reality is painful or disturbing or whatever you know what I mean like there's a comfort in our brains like knowing that we share the reality and that it's actually real and when people lie to you and cheat on you and do things like that like it fucks you up in a way you might not even like realize because you're just like living in a very distorted and then you're kind of like, well, what is real? And then I started thinking about that in terms of fake news and just how much like we're subjected to like fake reality all the time. But like through our news now, it's very weird. Yeah. It's, it's just like, I mean, I was reading something that like faith in the media is at one of its all time lows, but it, it was also extremely low in the 80s. Like, so, like, basically, if the economy's having a recession, people also don't trust the media, apparently. <laughs> oh, that's very interesting. I wonder why that is. Like, um, I don't know. I mean, definitely in the 80s, the media was being, like, not being trustworthy. Like, they, they weren't, like, they were already starting to suck. They were already being bought by, like, major rich people, like, owning right. their newspaper and then... Right. Bad media. Yeah, I guess that's when the 24-hour news cycle kind of started and when... Yeah. And, like, during Reagan is when... Whatchamacallit... Um, what the fuck is that guy's name from Fox News? Why am I not remembering this? Uh, Uh, I don't know. I don't... Roger Ailes. Um, yes. When Roger Ailes went from working for Nixon and Reagan to starting Fox, I think. So maybe that has something to do with that. Or maybe it was just... Something in the air. <laughs> also, I think that if people are, are in, you know, a lot of pain emotionally because uh, of, of their finances and their, like, livelihoods and their futures being really bleak mm-hmm. or non-existent, I think you just become more skeptical of, like, the world around you. You know what I mean? Like, less trusting, more skeptical. And, like, the media, I think sometimes people tie that into the government. Obviously, they're extremely different. But I think it's just, like, distrust and, like, okay, well, the government got me into this predicament financially because of bad policy, and then, like, the media reports on what the government does, and I can't trust any... Like, I don't know. I think it kind of... It becomes one monster in people's heads. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I have something... I did find one piece of weird news. (laughs) Okay, great. Okay. I love this. It's not that weird, but it's funny. Um, So there is a petition going around now um, for... <laughs> a petition is calling for a statue of the late Guar. Obviously, we're all familiar with Guar, hopefully. The crazy metal band that dressed up in like monster costumes and spit fake blood and vomit at the audience. And <laughs> they're amazing. Um, Did you ever petition- see them? No, I didn't. But you know who's mm. to see them all the time because she's from Virginia is Megan Scalero. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah, it is really cool. I don't, I've always wanted to see them, but never have. A new petition is calling for a statue of the late Guar frontman, real name David Brocky, to be erected in the adopted in his adopted home state of Virginia, um, uh, because they're they took down the um, Confederate monument of Robert E. Lee, <laughs> so they want to put <laughs> a Guar statue in its place, <laughs> which I think okay. is like. The most amazing thing ever and would be really funny. There's 15,000 signatures already. Um, he died from an overdose in 2014. And as a side note, since the uh, George Floyd protests have um, begun uh, in, in late May, there have been over 15 statues removed. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. I actually thought it would have been more, but it is cool that it is at least that many. Um, yeah, feels like something. I don't know. I wish that there were different types of progress happening, but, <laughs> um, I know the it's... statues coming down is something. The statues coming down. I mean, listen, like, you know, there's big things and little things, right. And like, uh, some of them are performative gestures, for instance, like painting black lives matter on the streets everywhere, like in all these different cities where uh, sure, it's great to see that, and it's it's heartwarming to see it, and it, it feels good, I'm sure, for a lot of folks to see that, that this movement is, you know, creating that kind of uh, enthusiasm, And but at the same time, it's like, well, if the policy doesn't change, it's just performative, and it's like a mayor being like, here, have this, look, I painted Black Lives Matter on the street, but it's like, what are you doing on policy level, and this just seems like a distraction a little bit, you know what I mean? Yes. Um... So, but you know, there have been, I mean, I don't think we need to cite all of them, but there obviously have been some, some victories, uh, not enough, but it seems that it is having, the movement is definitely having an effect. And I guess it just really depends on how much we're all able to make sure that we continue to incorporate this into our daily lives and into our minds and, and our actions all the time forever. Yeah, I think it's also, it's been important as, as upsetting as it is to realize that there are people out there that want to bring guns to a statue fight <laughs> and like literally bringing guns to protect a Confederate statue and shooting people, like actually shooting people I know. to it's defend disgusting. a Confederate statue. So it's important to remember that this is also America and Absolutely. those people are real dangerous people that are here. Totally, it's fucked up. The only reason I laughed is because, you know, it's like when you, the term, like, you bring a gun to a knife fight, and you're mm-hmm. talking about saying, like, bring a gun to a statue fight made me laugh. But yes, it is very, it's very fucked up. And I don't know, this is kind of on the same tip, but, you know, a little bit off topic. But I was chatting with Bobby earlier, <clears throat> and we are just talking about the president, and, like, just talking about the state of what's going on in the world, and how, you know, divided things are, and how everything has gotten to a point of being so on every level so bad and i was like you know this is not just his fault i mean everyone likes to blame the president and he's obviously grotesque we don't need to even debate that but um this is all of our faults all the things that we're seeing that are horrifying to us from the environment to civil liberties being taken away to uh black people being murdered in the street like by police, this is all of our faults and our compl- our com- complicitness mm-hmm. in not paying attention when we kind of have someone in office that we quote like or is a Democrat, you know what I mean? Like, and not challenging politicians who are Democrats and stuff. And so I think it's just important to remember that if we want to see stuff like this kind of begin to come to an end, we have to like understand that it's not just ugh the republicans or ugh the president like it's ugh to all of us we're all we're all part of this making allowing this to happen and by all i mean all white people yeah i don't know that's kind of a rant but for some reason it just like made me think of that yeah totally you know and i think it's important to like as we move forward and hopefully even though i think you two listeners know how we feel about joe biden um we love him. <laughs> we want Huge him. Huge fans. Huge fans. Um, but, you know, 
hopefully he wins, but would just to, to remember, like, if that happens, which it hopefully does, to stay vigilant. Do not get comfortable. Question everybody, even if you like them, even if it's Bernie Sanders, who is now unfortunately dead <laughs> to us as well. <laughs> he passed away. Another white man bites the dust. <laughs> All right, Pete Bernie Sanders. Why do you think that he... Because obviously, I believe that Bernie Sanders supports defunding the police. Why do you think that Bernie came out against defunding the police? Do you think it's because he really doesn't believe in it, or do you think it's... I think that Bernie, the whole time, we were a little bit delusional about him. You know, he is a lifelong politician, and he has been fighting for good stuff, but he's a white old man, you know? So, like, I think that on some level, some part of him is just an elderly white politician. Um, And you can't ignore that, although we did our best. Yeah, we sure did. And... You know, it, it was part of just doing, like, having something that was different than we were used to and, like, things that we needed to, to things that we desperately needed to reform in our country. Um, but it's also just another painful reminder that the two-party system is massively flawed. And if Bernie needs to align himself with the Democrats, um, which he allegedly was one, uh <laughs> he has to do certain things and say certain things and it just comes across as false and you know it's just like another piece of the like nobody trusts the government nobody trusts politicians i remember hearing jokes about that stuff when i was a kid and being like what and now i'm like yeah don't trust a politician as far as you can throw them right right of course and don't (laughs) try to throw them because you'll throw out your back yeah (laughs) so so yeah i think that's just one of the million things that are wrong right now, but yeah, Bernie has disappointed us, but that's to be expected, you know? He can't be everything to everyone either, and yeah, he's not even bothering to try. <laughs> no, yeah, he definitely is not. Yeah, I don't know. I guess like, I agree with everything you said, and I also just think, like, you know, I think that the Democrats, which is not wrong per se but they have like a well whatever it takes to beat trump that's all that matters we all have to just get behind that and like yeah it's so convenient for them to have donald trump in office honestly because they get to say that like no matter what we do no matter how much we screw you over we're still not as bad as trump exactly (laughs) and that's very dangerous and like i think that bernie is just like, listen, I'm not going to do anything to rock the boat from that happening and that people are still uncomfortable with the terminology, with the nomenclature and and uh, defund the police and that no Democratic politician on any kind of major level is supporting that nomenclature right now. And I think it's a DNC thing that's saying, like, we will not support you if you say that and you will be, like, out. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe... They did what you said, and they kidnapped his family. And, like, yeah. Hillary Clinton, after <laughs> Hillary she, Clinton. Killed, after she yeah. killed Jeffrey Epstein, she went over to Bernie's house. And yeah. Oh, she... I, told Nicole, <laughs> I told Nicole a couple weeks ago, like, I was just uh, very anxious and upset about something, and I couldn't sleep. And I was, like, um, decided to look up. I guess it was right near the anniversary of Anthony Bourdain's death. And I like had seen some kind of random thing about how there was a conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton killed Anthony Bourdain. So I like (laughs) went down a rabbit hole. I mean, they, the Clintons, the conspiracy theory that the Clintons killed Jeffrey Epstein to me is so funny, but like not, maybe not totally off the mark in terms of like the level of people that were involved with him. Yeah, um, that something like that could happen, and but the Anthony Bourdain thing is really funny because people just don't want it to be true that he would commit suicide from mental illness. But I know. who knows? It's, who knows? Um, <laughs> we'll never. We should know. just yeah. We should definitely get into spinning conspiracy theories that were potentially posited by the right. Yeah, dude. We should start an Alex Jones cover band. But sometimes the right is right. Yeah, right, 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 right. Like the um, the impeach Pelosi thing that is in your neighborhood then the super far right I guy know. has his in window. I'm like, okay, I agree. I know, it's really funny. There's a guy in my neighborhood who has like impeach Pelosi, uh like quit your job, Cuomo, like get out <laughs> de Blasio. Like 
you know, all the politicians, like, you know, shove it Schumer. Like, all the politicians that, like, we don't like, but it's funny because he doesn't like them for the opposite Because reasons. they're Democrats, yeah. <laughs> right. He doesn't like them because he's a, probably a racist piece of shit. But... It's really funny. Yeah. It is really funny. It's like, oh, wow, we really can agree on something, but only only in, in this very small way. It's a bizarre way to that the world has turned into that people on the far right and me are both, like... I know. Get Pelosi out of here. <laughs> I know. But she wears that kente cloth so well. Oh, God. With her bright red suit. She's so rude. Yeah. Um, crazy. But also, oh, but, speaking of Jeffrey Epstein, I, do, yeah. I actually have been... I'm, I love conspiracy theories, also, for the record. So. Oh, I, lo- I love a conspiracy theory. But the whole thing about... the So the documentary came out on Netflix a couple of weeks ago, maybe like a month. I don't know. And everyone's been talking about it. I personally did not watch it. But they did something... Somebody was reviewing it, and it said something that kind of stuck out to me that I think is really important, which is that... They do something in the documentary, which is sort of make it look like Jeffrey Epstein was this evil monster and everyone else around him was just like around him. Like Mm -hmm. they were just like all the other billionaires that were around him were just like, oh, my God, like we're normal, great people. And Jeffrey Epstein is like the bad apple or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, Which is absolutely not true. Like all the people that were around him are monsters. Prince Andrew is a monster. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like all all the rich people are bad. Yeah, all billionaires are monsters. So Mm -hmm. I think that's something to keep in mind, that Jeffrey Epstein wasn't just, like, this crazy rich guy. Like, people around him wanted to do the things that he also was doing and helped him out. Absolutely, dude. It's not like, I mean, it's the same thing about how, you know, you think about, we were kind of talking about this last week, like, shitty people like you know have shitty friends like guys that cheat on their girlfriends their friends cheat on their girlfriends too like bad people hang out with bad people you don't like it's not a bunch of like lovely wonderful people and then there's like one piece of shit in there you know what i mean yeah i mean the same the same thing with fucking cops also like yeah they're I mean, all power bad corrupts power corrupts right. human beings are not strong enough to stay pure and holy if they have been given too much power and that is something that everyone should think about Right now, think about it. (laughs) I mean, I can speak on that. My own small amount of power that I have as as a business owner—it's no good. They really should be kept in check in some way. It's not good to have unchecked power in any capacity. Um, I wanted to say that um, I think the whole uh, Clinton conspiracy theories of how they're murderers is funnier if you think about them actually committing the murders themselves. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like Hillary Clinton going into Jeffrey Epstein's prison cell and <gasps> hanging him or whatever. And the same with Anthony Bourdain. Like, she's, like, creeping in, like, wearing, like, a black outfit and, like... Yeah. Like, she's... doing, like... <laughs> she's, like, Catherine Zeta-Jones in uh, that movie with Sean Connery where she goes all the lasers. Oh, yeah. What the hell is that movie? <laughs> I'm going to Google it right now. Yeah, but, like... Entrapment. Um... Entrapment. Right, like like it dressed as an old tiny cat burglar, like walking on her tiptoes with her hands, like you know, in front of her yeah. face. Like yeah. the great Muppet caper, they also have a, like a laser scene <laughs> yes. where they Miss Piggy like breaks uh. in. <laughs> That's hilarious. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. A cherry isn't just a cherry. When it comes to tart cherries, the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency Tart Cherry variety is the cherry with more. They're available year-round, dried, frozen, canned, juice, and concentrate. U.S. Montmorency Tart Cherries are also one of America's superfruit, which means they're good for you. Tart cherries contain many antioxidants and beneficial phytonutrients, including anthocyanins, the pigments that give tart cherries their bright red color. And don't forget about flavor. U.S. Montmorency's unique sour-sweet profile make them an excellent addition to yogurt, oatmeal, salads, trail mix, and of course, a classic cherry pie. Learn more about the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry at choosecherries.com.
I wanted to just say something about the what we were talking about before about the nomenclature and defunding the police because I've been getting a lot of people talking to me. I don't know about you, but about how they're like, it's bad branding. And I, I mean, I was listening to like Armchair Expert the other day and like talking about it. it's just bad branding by the Democrats. It's just, you know, it's bad PR. And like, I just want to mention if that is something that you think or it's something that maybe one of your family members thinks or a friend or something like Here's my two cents for what it's worth is that it's not bad nomenclature. It's not a bad branding and it's not a slogan. It's very direct for what needs to happen. Republicans have no problem with saying things like defund Planned Parenthood. We have no problem talking about war. We have no problem talking about, you know, a lot of things that are disturbing. And instead of getting so wrapped up in why you can Wait, peep, some- sorry, I'm confused. So people are saying that defund the police is bad branding? Yes. So, like, lots okay. of people. My parents mentioned this. Dak Shepard had been talking about it on his show. Um, I got into a thing with it with, like, a friend of mine who I think is very intelligent and a leftist. But, like, people are focusing, who agree with the of what defunding the police means, are getting really wrapped up in the fact that they think that the... the nomenclature is really wrong and it, it doesn't it makes people scared right it makes the average person scared and instead of just you know standing behind it and saying hey this is actually what it means and the same thing why politicians are backing away from it it's you know of course a lot of them are probably in the pocket of the police unions but like also i think a lot of them are just kind of timid about being aggressive and saying like hey we need a change i think there was a similar pushback with like black lives matter in 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 the beginning saying like well you know it's going to be too hard for people to hear that slogan or or get behind that movement because they're going to push back and say all lives matter and people do say that and then you know what you tell them uh hey this is why what you're saying about all lives mattering is incorrect and it's not really the right response and I just think like yeah I also that's so that I just want to say interrupt really quickly because I listened to this podcast the black guy who tips and they were saying they were joking and they were like if we knew that black lives matter was going to turn into this all lives matter shit we just would have called it something else like I'm black fuck you or something like that Yeah, but you know what? Like, I was, and they were like coming up with their own like slogans. Um, you guys should really do that podcast. You. It's it's yeah right. because they were like, fine, you guys suck. Like you turn this into all lives matter. We should have called it something else. But it was just they were really. It was really funny. It, um, that is hilarious. But yeah. like then look what has happened with the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Like at least in in my little kind of like. As far as New York City goes, I live in Carroll Gardens. It's very old school Italian. Unfortunately, a lot of old school Italians are, fair, are you know, pretty racist. I realize that's a generalization, but at least folks in my neighborhood seem to be. And even in my neighborhood, there's Black Lives Matter signs in so many windows of businesses, of people's homes. Like it's, you know, you have to be able to say, you have to be able to like say what things are. Right. Yeah. Black lives I, mean, I would say rather than and saying that most people are racist, we just like you have experienced that. I have experienced a lot of racism yeah. in my neighborhood. That's a yes. good way of putting it. You're absolutely yeah. right. Um, Much better way of putting it. But like, yeah, I, yeah, I just feel like it's a lot of wasted breath talking about instead of just putting the onus on making people in this country, white people less lazy like why do we have to dumb everything down and sugarcoat it so it can be so palatable it's not a pepsi commercial it's real life and it's it's something that's very important and i don't think we all need to you know find a cutesy way of saying it like why don't we take the money when you away from the police we see you know like yeah come on what do you think yeah yeah i think i mean that's there's the dumbing down of stuff everyone complains about that like the politicians should just trust that we're smart um but they're never gonna do that because you can't throw a politician. <laughs> That's true. They're, as we know, they're too heavy. Um, but I think that, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's important for, the other thing is like, now that everyone's kind of a, an activist, um, right. things are, people are learning about things that other people that have been doing this work for a long time have always kind of known. And it's just extremely frustrating. And it's kind of, it's good to sort of like, acknowledge it and sit with it but also then like be like yep and that's just kind of part of the system and the way that it works and we have to kind of move through it anyway um and i also just heard yesterday on the news 
Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, <laughs> that uh, somebody, one town got rid of their police union, but I can't remember where it was. Do you, did you hear that? No, I didn't. That's important, though. I know. Oh. It's exciting, because the police unions are like this all-powerful evil satan worshiping entity actually people who worship satan are way cooler than the police union sorry sorry satanists we love you um let me just look it up i'm contemplating being a satanist also just one thing and we're talking about defunding police and abolishing police forces i have been doing a bit of reading about the example that people are using uh about how camden got rid of their police department but that is not a good example apparently well because they didn't really they 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 still yeah they still have a police department Um, they still have a police department that became more aggressive and more well-funded and uh more violent than it was before the other thing is like the way that people judge whether or not your town is doing okay is like shooting deaths and so it doesn't take into account like how many people get shot and live so like Mm, (laughs) so that's so interesting because the statistics in Camden that they were going from were talking about homicides, basically, like shooting homicides. And so that means the person died. So they're like, yeah, these went down. But they, they didn't, at least in the couple articles that I was reading, didn't have any information that was like, this is actually how many shootings took place since we changed the way the police department works. But also, like, at the same time, like, we should not maybe use Camden as, like, this perfect example. But it's an, it's an example of a town that tried something. Right. And I'm, that's yeah. good. Yes, I think that, like, um, in reading it, it just seemed like uh, I need to still do more investigation. It seemed like it wasn't as earnest in its motivations as we may have thought before, unfortunately. But anyway, um, well, I want to ask you, um, before we get out of here, do you have anything that you've, like, podcasts or organizations or anything that you want to give, like, a shout out to? Um, or talk about that. Yeah, I think I just, you know, uh, like for me, a couple of like this year, basically, I realized that the majority of the podcasts that I was listening to were white dudes. Um, And so I made a conscious effort to diversify what I listened to. And so the podcast that I recommend that we recommended on the on the Instagram, if you guys are paying attention, are podcasts that like I listen to they're usually like pretty comedic or pretty like educational it's like the specific strain that i like particularly listen to but there are so many podcasts out there by black people people of color you know that have a variety of different topics obviously they're you know just as wide a variety as the white dude podcast but um so yeah but the black guy who tips he's just like really cool and funny and he does a show with his wife and um he also he does a podcast like every single every day um and he reviews like insecure and like he he also like just like does all these different things but he's really funny and he kind of just like go they go through the news um and they kind of just make jokes about it and they're both black so I, i enjoy that podcast um and then the I listen to this other podcast called Champagne Sharks and it it's a little bit more like serious and a little bit more it's also two black men um I need to get some more women in my mix but <laughs> two <laughs> black men kind of discussing topics from the perspective of black men you know um right. and it's Did you just it's say really... Champagne Sharks I'm sorry I just got an email and I looked at it and I missed yeah, yeah 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 they and shout then... out to them too because they just started following us on Instagram I know they followed my personal account I'm yeah. shocked yeah, great um, show. I listened to a bunch of their episodes, and they're great. Yeah, they um they seem really cool. And then also Tea with Queen and Jay is one. They um they're just two black women. Just they call themselves womenist race nerds, and they talk about race and from a you know educational standpoint. But they're also really fun and really cool. And awesome, awesome. Um, the other one is Bag Ladies, which is. They're also black women, but they're Latinx black people. They had an episode recently that was talking about like black people who are from like Latin America and like that whole like race relations thing too, which is really something that people should educate themselves about for sure. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, I will add to that still processing, which is a great show. Um, Yes. Do you listen to still processing? Every once in a while. Yeah. I like it. Um, they're a okay. little like snooty. A little New York Timesy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I like They're a little it. Ivy. Yeah. It's, I 
think it's it's good though. It makes me. It's like one of those podcasts I listen to, which is basically every. I don't know. A podcast is like having a friend with you, right? And so mm-hmm. like you just get used to people's voices and like what that podcast makes you feel like and what you learn. You know, and sometimes you want to put something on to learn from, or whatever. But you know, there's those podcasts you just put on. And you're like, oh, hello, friends. Yeah. <laughs> nice to nice to see you again. Um. Awesome. Uh, I wanted to mention just two organizations. I, uh, I've tried to do what I can, just raising some money. Um, the only way I know how, which is with tomato sauce and cheese by making some lasagnas and it worked out. It's worked out really well. We raised a bunch of money for the okra project and I just wanted to briefly mention what the okra project is. And this is from their website. And I encourage you guys to all go ahead and donate to them. Every little bit, when you're talking about like donating, I know it's like a lot of, especially in these times where a lot of us are really strapped for cash and not working. Um, Obviously, if you can't donate money, you can't donate money. But even if you have like $2 or $5 or something or $20, whatever it is, like it makes a difference, right? If 2,000 people donate $2, that's $50 million. Mm-hmm. In today's just, um chime in here really quick. Yeah, um, I made it. I, yeah, so I just want to mention, I've been noticing a, a lot of people having GoFundMes and um, a lot of, what do they call it, like, external uh, crowdfunding um, sites um, going around. Um, and I just want to put like a public PSA out there, and I've been telling my friends to do the same as well, is um, if you know like a direct contact within an organization, just Venmo them that cash directly because a lot of these crowdfunding sites, they do take a percentage of whatever donation that you are giving. Right. And that, it compounds. So You're right. You're I absolutely think- right. I don't remember who it was. I think it was GoFundMe. They, I think they were saying how they take like 3% or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that 3%, let's just say if you're, even if you're raising like $5,000, that's still, it'll all that's a lot. Up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point, Amanda. Thank you for, for mentioning that. That's a really good yeah. point. As with everything, you have to do a little research before you hand over some money. There was just, I just read an article about how there's a a Black Lives Matter foundation or it's something similarly named that has absolutely nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. And they got like millions of dollars because people didn't realize that it was the wrong charity. Yes. Uh, Or not charity, whatever. Program. Totally. Research what you are donating your money to, for sure. That's a very, very good point. Um, You know, even things that might seem good, like sometimes it even helps to like look up the organization and then like be like, to see if there's any like bad news or bad press about them. Like I was researching some the other day and then I saw that like George W. Bush was somehow involved. I was like, yep, see, I'm glad I read about this. So anyway, (laughs) quickly about the Okra Project. The Okra Project, Mm -hmm. this is from their website, is a collective that seeks to address the global crisis faced by black trans people by bringing them home-cooked, healthy, and culturally specific meals and resources to black trans people wherever we can reach them. Uh, During the Middle Passage, our African ancestors snuck okra onto captive ships to sustain themselves and plant in the new world. Black dysphoric cooking traditions also use okra plant for its versatility and often associated with health, prosperity, and community. In this spirit, the Okra Project helps to extend free, delicious, and nutritious meals to black trans people experiencing food insecurity. Um, how it works, basically, I'll just paraphrase, is that they pay black trans chefs to cook food for black trans uh, clients who um, need food or might be food insecure and they either go into their homes and do it or if they uh, are um, uh, houseless they will provide the meals at like a community center or something and so I think it's a great organization and uh, that's just something I wanted to shout out and then I also want to give a brief shout out to uh, the organization I'm raising money for this week with lasagnas, which is No New Jails NYC. Um, It was founded in 2018 after the mayor launched the formal land use approval process for the jail expansion plan. A direct, this is from their website too, um, a direct continuation of the grassroots efforts to close Rikers immediately. No New Jails also draws on the success of previous jail construction fights in New York City. Um, from May, May to November, 2019, the mayor's jail expansion plan will be put, this is obviously in past tense before a string of public 
body officials. And so what they these guys do is they go to these, amongst many other things, they go to um, these like public community meetings and legislative meetings and um, represent the side of no new jail building. Because also, if you think about it this way, um, if they build jails, they want to put people in the jails, right? So they're going to find a way to fill them. And so, yeah, check out yeah. No New Jails and check out the Oprah Project. And abolish prisons. Also, I abolish am prisons. kind of a dumb person, but there's an, there's an app that I thought was the Okra Project, but it's called Eat Okra. Oh, okay. Um, but it's really cool because it, it basically, it's like kind of like Yelp, but for black-owned eateries. So it's oh, a cool app. Awesome. It's called Eat Okra, all one word. It's free. Cool. Um, and just another shout out for ways to make it easier to patronize black business owners and give black people our money. That's awesome. That's a great, that's a great thing. Um, I guess I just also want to just one quick thing to say, and I know that everyone's really white people are not everyone, obviously many people are not. I know that a lot of white people right now are trying to find a way to deal with the discomfort of realizing collectively and individually uh, our own racism. And it's uncomfortable, and I think that generally everyone's intentions are really good. And just to be mindful, though, of, you know, especially with social media, um, and no one nails it, myself included, but just, like, thinking about your intention in doing things, you know, um, I think it's like just really easy to get caught up and wanna wanna help and wanna look better and not feel bad and, and be part of the solution, you know. But I think like one thing that I heard the other day that I'd like to repeat that I read from a, a black person who was writing this on Instagram, um, which is do not gentrify this movement, you know. So I think there's a real urge to be absolved and be forgiven. I have the same urge, but to be being like me, 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 my struggle, my struggle, my realization, my awakening um, in a public forum, there's almost only so much space. And I think the goal is to take up less space. So I'm not saying don't post things or share things at all. There's a lot of um, benefit to sharing good information and to empowering the voices of black people and to really mostly listening but if you feel like there's something, you know, worth reposting or mentioning, um, just be very wary and very conscious about not gentrifying this and taking up less space. Yeah, I think that one good rule of thumb is just, just actually before you hit send or share or whatever is examine your intentions. Like, what are you doing this for? What is your goal? Yeah. And be honest. Yeah, I've had to do that myself. You know, I've had some, like, thoughts where I'm like, oh, like, I feel horrible about this thing or I feel like I'm having a realization about that and then you know and run it by a friend like <laughs> a white yeah. friend not don't just like put the, more pressure my majo- on <laughs> the majority people. of my people that follow my social media are white and so right it's like do I want them to think that I'm doing the work like do I want them to right. look does it don't want it to look like I'm doing all this work like by reposting the same thing that everyone else is reposting like you know right. what yeah. is the goal Right, exactly. What is the goal? Is this information going to perhaps reach someone who wouldn't have otherwise, you know, maybe heard this thing? Or like, you know, for me, I have a lot of family members who like aren't necessarily conservative at all, but like who just might, who aren't in New York City, who aren't quite as left as I am, who, you know, and I, and I think like if, you know, if that's the case for other people, like it's great to try to share some good information. I think the value in sharing like, hey, I'm at a protest, if it's in earnest, is to, you know, make other people feel who might not go to protest feel more comfortable. Because I think like, you know, the news media um, has a lot of people feeling scared that they're going to be like harmed or arrested if they go to a protest. I think normalizing protests and like making people feel comfortable with attending them is important but whatever it is like but I think yeah yeah. it's made me think about my social media like I basically have curated a social media platform or like friend group that is everyone is pretty much exactly like me in terms of their beliefs like I might be a little bit more socialist lefty than them but in terms of like actions and activities and protesting like we're all pretty much the same which is interesting like I, I purposely 
without really thinking about it, have like not accepted friend requests from people that I went to high school with. I might, you know, things like that. And like right. a lot of my family members are not on social media in that way. So, um, yeah. that's how I'm thinking about my impact, you know, right. like, yeah. Does like, we need another picture of me showing that I went to a protest? I don't know. Right. It's totally, it's really like individual. And I think like you made just a great point, which is to just be, Listen, this is a time to be mindful and not just for a couple of weeks, forever, right? So, like, yeah. being more mindful of the Black community and of Black Lives Matter and of racism and in trying to participate in a lifelong quest of being anti-racist. Surprise, you're not all of a sudden now anti-racist, um, nor am I, nor is Nicole. Um, that is lifelong work. And, um, yeah, and also just being more mindful in life in general, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think know. that we're, we're thinking through about what we're going to do with this podcast, but I think that we should include something every week about what we have done. You know, it doesn't even have yeah. to be like we went to a protest, but like something that we've done to further our own anti-racism in the world and right. um, start normalizing, talking about doing the work every day. Totally. So what's something that you did this week? This week, I actually, so I'm going to be in Indianapolis for a little while. Um, and I first was like kind of excited because I was going to be like going to protest here, but I'm living, I'm staying with my parents, so I can't, it doesn't seem very smart to expose myself to a large number of people in that way yeah. that it in New York was fine. <laughs> right, totally. Um, so there are a number of little, not little, there are a number of organizations in Indianapolis that are cool and I've been looking into them. I have a couple of friends that um, are doing a lot of cool stuff and I'm going to connect with them. I have acquaintances who are opening a restaurant, or that have opened a restaurant that are, um, on July 4th, they're having a barbecue that benefits Black Lives Matter. Um, and just kind of getting involved in the Indianapolis section of what's going on. Um, and that's what I've been focusing on lately. That's awesome. So that I'm not just like, I'm not on vacation. I mean, I am on vacation, but I'm also doing a little work. Yeah, totally. Um, that's great, Nicole. Oh, I also, the other thing that, um, I was thinking about is that I work, I manage a bar when I, when the COVID's not happening and my bar is staffed with 99% white people and serves a large white population. Um, and so when things get back to, well, no, it's never going back to normal. When I go back to work, I'm basically going to meet with the owner and we're, I'm going to create a document that's basically like our bars, anti-racist, like standpoints. Yeah. Well, that's anti-racist isn't really, basically we're going to change the way that we hire and we're going to change the way that we, um, interact with guests that do racist things. Great. Basically that's they'll be kicked out with no explanation. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's great. Um, so just like stuff like that. Yeah. So far. Cool, man. Um, I tried to do the lasagna. Not tried to. I am doing lasagna. <laughs> I, did, I did one last week. I don't know how to make lasagna, though. Um, it's, it's tough. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I have been... Uh, I signed up to volunteer for Charles Booker's campaign. I donated a bit of money and doing some phone banking. If anyone doesn't know, Charles Booker is running against Amy McGrath. He's not Cory Booker. No, he's not Cory Booker. (laughs) He's a different Booker. He's Charles Booker. Um, He's running for senator. uh, He's in Kentucky right now. They're having Mm -hmm. a primary, Mm -hmm. and he's running against Amy McGrath, who does not have a progressive platform. She's a centrist Democrat. Yes, Um, she is. And he is a very progressive candidate. He is a black man. And he's a wonderful person. And he uh, has a lot of momentum behind him and actually looks like he's probably going to win. So if I you, hope so. Yeah. If you don't already follow him, please follow him on Instagram. He's Booker number four KY. Um, Booker four KY. And at Instagram.com. And if you can donate a little bit, donate. That would be really awesome. And then kind of speaking about what we were talking about before, about like the grand white apology tour. I wrote a letter last week, um, just in feeling really terrible about some of my own mistakes, racist and not, and got that out and sent it to a friend 
but didn't send it to the public. And I would recommend that it's a good exercise, I think, if you're having guilt about your own racism, um, to go ahead and write that down and don't send it. You know what I mean? And maybe Mm -hmm. someday there's a time to send it. Maybe there's a time... Yeah, but just, I think, getting those feelings out on paper can be a good experience to actually write them, say them, feel them without subjecting people who are in a lot of emotional trauma right now to having to deal with your apology and also without making your apology the center of attention. So right. that's that's a recommendation there. Yeah. Um, well, I really liked talking to you. <laughs> I never tire of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm extremely interesting. You are a fascinating, you're a riddle wrapped in a mystery all <laughs> tied around a rhyme. Wrapped in a Devils on horseback. <laughs> um, this is Juneteenth today as we are uh, recording this. Oh, yeah. Um, also, we should have mentioned that earlier. Crap. Yes, it's Juneteenth. Um, I actually was reading a couple black people's um, opinions about Juneteenth that I hadn't heard before. Um, about them not being so into the holiday. Um I, as a white because person. Because of the origins behind it? or Because of the origins, because of it was the last enslaved people being freed uh, in Texas is yes. essentially why we celebrate, uh, the, or the black community uh, celebrates Two years Juneteenth. after the actual law had passed, right. nobody told them, so they kept working Exactly. So I think that that is the point of contention from what I've gathered as to why some people are not into it either way it is uh now becoming potentially and hopefully a national holiday and it's a big deal around the country today in tandem with the protests the continued protests uh in support of black lives matter and so i'm gonna get out there today and and do some protesting and um one other quick note just if you are attending protests this goes hopefully without saying but as a white person you are there to to add your voice and your body because there's strength in numbers but this is not about you and your time to be the star of the show in any way do not become violent with police you're only endangering black people by doing that um don't take up too much space don't be a fucking we asshole. don't need your white rage yeah exactly <laughs> we don't need your white rage nobody does you're this is not again just continue to repeat to yourself as we all must myself included this is not about you. This is not what you can take from any situation or what, you know what I mean? Like this is about yes. participating and being humble and um, Finally, trying to do the right Finally, hopefully at yeah. some point the world will stop revolving around white people. So Exactly. So while you're out at a protest, don't do the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing, which is to to make it try to revolve around you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't be a Chet Hanks. Let's all, let's all just pray for that. <laughs> Uh, oh well. <laughs> okay, Nicole, I love you so much. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.